something like that, and then it's like, oh yeah, they're there, they're there. Thank you all. What a great message to a old secular tune, but uh, the message is the same. Amen. God's grace is amazing. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2 this morning. Revelation chapter number 2. Talking about uh, instrumentalists and what have you. Good to see our old friend, Brother Dean Muck, and his wife here today. And uh, maybe after the baptismal service and while we're coming by to welcome our one of our new members into the church, we can talk Dean into coming and playing something. For those of you that don't know, Dean was the original piano player for the original Kingsman Quartet and... Uh, and he's been a dear friend for a long time now, and we're just delighted that they could uh, be here this morning. There's a great message of all places in the bulletin today, and I'm not talking about the pastor's pen. I'm talking about a cute little picture that Bev put in there that had this caption with it. It says, They may forget what you said, but they will not forget how you made them feel. Then it has a picture of people, you know, giving high fives and shaking hands and interacting with one another. And then there's a list of seven things that we can do that will make people feel comfortable in our presence. Well, it so happens that last week I started a series of messages on the subject of love from 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And uh, we're going to be taking a long time going through that chapter and looking at each small detail concerning the description of love. You know, uh, the problem is that it's not that we don't know that we ought to love one another. The problem is doing it. Think about that. The problem is loving other people as we ought to. And even right now, if we just let our mind wander and put ourselves in the shoes of somebody else, and no doubt there is um, maybe some man who is uh, struggling with actually trying to have the right kind of love for his wife because maybe she's been unfaithful. Or it might be a woman trying to love her husband because he is an absolute jerk. I don't know how else to describe it. There are men like that. And, and the ladies can tell you it's a real struggle trying to love somebody like that. It might even be that there are parents here that are struggling to, to love some of their own children. I've got to tell you, there's no hardly anyone on earth that can hurt you more than, than your spouse or your children. It might be that there are some children struggling to have the right kind of love for their parents. Because you mark it down, there are some that have been raised by parents who did not love them, and now they're eaten up with bitterness as a result of it. And and so the list of things could go on and on and on, but it's not difficult to imagine 
the difficulty that we have in loving other people. And we keep looking for ways to improve our relationships. We have seminars. We, you know, people write books about it. And we do everything under the sun trying to find some kind of a plan or a program that will help us to be able to, to love one another more and to live at peace with one another. And we just keep failing. We keep failing because we, we seldom ever get down to the, the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is this, that our love for others depends on our love for God. If we don't have the right kind of love for God, we'll never be able to love others as we ought to. And we can sit around and talk about how much we love one another, but unless we love God as we should, it's another matter. We can sing songs about you're a part of the family of God and how much we love each other, but uh, sometimes our walk doesn't measure up to our talk. Kind of like the little girl, you know, that was... uh, Back when I was a kid, you, they did this a lot, you know. If you happened to be over at a neighbor's house playing supper time, they just invited you in. You sat down and had supper with them. Well, that day the little girl was over playing with the neighbor kids and it's supper time. And so uh, the mother there said, uh, you know, Susie or whatever her name was, said, why don't you stay and have supper with us? And she said, would you like to do that? She said, oh, yeah. She said, well, we're, we're going to be having broccoli, though. Is that, that? She, oh, I love broccoli. So they, they sat down to eat and uh, they had their meal and, you know, several different courses there naturally, but, uh, she didn't touch the broccoli. And finally the mother said to the little girl, said, I, I thought you loved broccoli. You didn't touch it. She said, Oh yeah, I do love it. Just not enough to eat it. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we talk about others, we, well, we're just trying to be mannerly, aren't we? We're not really telling the truth about it. So let's see if we can get down to the root of the problem here this morning. And it might seem like a bit of a strange place to find the answer to that problem. But here in Revelation chapter 2, this is the first of the seven letters to the churches that the Lord, using the Apostle John to write and to send these letters, says... Under the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. The late Patsy Cline recorded a, a song back uh, years ago that was one of my favorite 
country western type songs uh, called Faded Love. Naturally, it's a story, you know, of a relationship between a man and a woman. Well, that's not my concern here this morning. We're going to talk about something a whole lot more serious than our relationships with one another, and that is our relationship with the Lord. And the truth of the matter is that just as in human relationships where love can fade, even so in our relationship with the Lord, there can be a lack of love for the one who is altogether lovely. And that affects our ability to love other people as we ought to. Ephesus was a church that... uh, that had been established by Paul. And it's interesting the way that he ended his letter to that church. I'm going to read you in, to you in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24. This is the last verse. He says, Grace be with all of them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Now, that was his prayer for them, that they loved the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Now, it's like 30 years later, another generation has come along. And John is delivering this letter from the Lord himself. And notice what it deals with. Notice what the subject matter is. It's the fact that they had, uh, he says, left their first love. Boy, you look at the record there of all of the good things. He says, I know thy works, verse number two. That's quite commendable. These people aren't lazy. These people are actually working for the Lord. And he said, I know thy labor. That implies that they were working to the point of exhaustion. Now, how many people do we know that can honestly say, I am literally, physically exhausting myself in service to God? They were. And he says, and also I know about your patience. You see, he is commending them for all of these good things. And you might think, all right, here is the ideal, perfect church, the kind of church that we would be looking for to join. And then the Lord turns right around and says, but I've got something against you. Boy, when he says that, you know you've got a problem. Notice he doesn't say that you have lost your love for me. You see, a Christian loves the Lord more than anything else. But there's still a problem, even though they love him. They love him more than anything else. Still, there's a problem. He doesn't say you have lost your love for me. You left it. Could be that they had been distracted by something. Could be that they were not as expressive of their love as they had been. It could be that maybe the problem is that their love had ceased to grow. I mean, it was real. It was genuine. 
They had a love for the Lord, but it wasn't the kind of love that was that was glowing and growing, increasing. And, and that's always a real problem. You know, you can sit here today and say, Oh, well, I love the Lord. Well, that, you know, that listen, that might not be good enough. The Lord tells us to love Him, but He adds some things to that. We're to love Him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. You see, it's one thing to just love Him. It's another thing to love Him with a love that is glowing, a love that is growing, the, the kind of love that's ever increasing. Now, I've often said the best definition of a backslider is the person who ceases to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And mark it down, you might be head and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to your intelligence. You might be able to quote more verses than anyone else in the church, but if you're not growing, you're backslidden. Because as long as we're in this world, we never get to a place to where we can stop and our life just plateaus and we're head and shoulders above everybody else and so it's all right to just stay there. We never reach a place like that in life. And so when growth stops, then it's because we are backslidden. And he says, I've got something against you. He says, you have, you've left. Your first love. Let's talk about this matter of love. And we talked about it the other day, last Sunday night, in fact, introducing the subject. And the first thing we need to do is to recognize what love really is. That's the reason for that Sunday night study on 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Because, you see, the Bible doesn't give you a definition of love, but it gives you a description of love. And that's what that chapter is all about. It is giving us a description of what love is like. The the things that, that, that love will do. So we can talk about that for the next two or three hours easy. But in order to just recognize love, I think there are some simple things that we can look at. For example, I think there's a disposition to sacrifice. When we talk about loving someone immediately our mind goes back to God's love for us, right? For God so loved the world that what? He gave, right? And He didn't just give something. He gave the very best. You see, when love is genuine, there is a disposition to sacrifice. And those of you that are married, listen, if you love your husband or you love your wife, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that you would be willing to give sacrificially of yourself and do absolutely anything you could to protect their lives. So there is that example of a love between a husband and a wife and and between a mother and a child. Wow, the love of a mother is absolutely amazing. Think about a mother, you know, bringing a little baby into this world after she's been tortured for nine months, carrying the little rascal around, and eventually the day comes, and oh, uh, well, here I'm trying to describe it, and I, how would I describe it? But I've heard... (laughs) 
But the great pain that the woman goes through to bring that baby in the world and finally that little wrinkle rascal that comes out and you know and, 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 and from the, it starts bawling and squalling and, and then it's feeding time, dirty diapers and all. That baby can't do anything whatsoever to reciprocate love. It's just demanding, give me, give me, give me, give me. And the mother gets up in the middle of the night. The mother sacrifices herself. Why? The, the baby's never done anything to deserve that kind of love. But because the love is real, it's sacrificial. I think about our, our soldiers that, that give their lives for the sake of the nation they love. Serving God demands sacrifice. And when he talks about them and their love for Christ, there is a disposition to sacrifice. There's a determination to please. You're determined to please the object of your love. Now, none of us do that perfectly, right? But the Lord said concerning our relationship with Him, if a man love me, he will keep my commandments. In other words, we have this determination that we want to please Him and we have a disposition that makes us willing to sacrifice for Him. But then there's something else that needs to be added to the mix and that is a desire for fellowship with Him. Because whenever we love someone, we well, we, we want to be with them. I went an entire year, I don't know how I got by with this, I went an entire year cutting my last hour class. Now, I know you're, you think that there's no miracles. I graduated, by the way. I cut my last hour class all year long. I never went to, to the class. And I had something more important to do, and that was to drive across town to be there when Bev got out of school. And to pick her up, I'd get there before she got out, actually, and sat there and shined my shoes because, you know, uh, <laughs> well, I'm getting off track now. But uh, I did it because I wanted to be with her. You see, that's the way love is. And i got to tell you, I don't understand these people that talk about how much they love the Lord, but... They never want to meet where he is, which is in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. You see, when you love God, you want to be in fellowship with God. But the Lord says, I have something against you, and so we need to consider the results of us allowing our relationship with him to deteriorate. And notice in verse number 5, he says, here he says, do the first works. So this is one of the results of us leaving our first love, is there's a loss of vision. Do thy first works. Now, they're doing something. They are busy. They are exhausting themselves. They're extremely active, but he says, I've got something against you. You see, they have lost the vision of what is most important. And listen, you can't do that without losing your joy. That's why I keep saying the most miserable people in all of the world are not unsaved people, but it's saved people who are out of the will of God. 
You cannot be a backslidden Christian and really truly be happy with your life. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to do that. You're going to be miserable because He's going to put His finger on your heart and torment you, as it were, to get your attention that you're out of place. By the way, it's a terrible thing for a Christian to lose his joy. Now, that's an awful thing because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if I lose the joy of the Lord, that means I'm going to be more susceptible to temptation. It means I'm not going to be able to, to overcome battles in my life and so forth. It means I'm going to, I'm going to struggle and I'm going to lose. I, we need that strength that comes from joy and we can't have joy if we've lost the vision of what's most important in our life. And we could go on and on talking about the things that we lose as a result of it, but there's something more important than that. It's not only how it affects us, but another result of this is that it grieves the, the heart of God. It hurts the heart of God to think about us leaving our love for him. Now that brings up another question. Why in the world would somebody do something like that? What are the reasons for why what would prompt us to do as they did and to leave our first love? It might be disappointment with other people. Did you notice in verse number two, as he talks about all of the things that he commends them for? And he mentions the fact, he says, Thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Look in verse number 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I'm not going into any detail about who these people were, but they were a, a people that were certainly out of line with what the Bible teaches. And, and he's telling us here that this church not only believed all of the right things, here was a church that was willing to attack evil where it was found, even when it was in its own congregation. Here's a church that practiced church discipline. Boy, it can be terribly disappointing whenever you see professing Christians not living up to the standard of God's Word. We can't find any fault with Jesus Himself, can we? But we can find a lot of faults with one another. And if we're not careful, our disappointment in others will affect our relationship with God. It happens all of the time, folks. Somebody get their feelings hurt, and the first thing they do is what? Drop out of church. They, they quit on God because somebody else has mistreated them. What sense does that make? Let me tell you, that's no acceptable excuse. You're not going to bail yourself out of problems with the Lord by telling Him, Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I haven't been to church in years. Those people down there, they were just awful. They... They wasn't near as friendly as they ought to be. They, 
Now, I was just sitting here thinking this morning, and I can't go into detail about someone that was right on the verge of joining the church here a while back, and all of a sudden, because of the things, you know, wasn't working out the way they wanted them to work out and as fast as they wanted them to work out and what have you, they just quit. And now all of a sudden there's a door of opportunity open that that person could be right now being used of the Lord every week. But they quit. Because something didn't go their way. It would have been easy for these people, you know, to just, you know, say, well, uh, this church is so imperfect, I'm going to go look for a perfect church. And they could have just left, but they didn't do that. But let me tell you, even in the process of exercising church discipline, if you're not careful, you can, you can get so disappointed with people that, that it affects your attitude about spiritual things. And I'm suggesting that maybe that might have been something that happened with them. It might be that they are involved in things of secondary importance. You know, a lot of times, you know, our problem is not that we've denied God, but that we've crowded Him out of our lives. I remember uh, teaching uh, a boys' class down at Baptist Bible College in Springfield several years ago, and they'd asked me to come down there and to speak to those new students. It was the first year freshman class, if I remember right. And so I was speaking to them, and, and the one point I wanted to drive home is the easiest place in the world to backslide is in Bible college. Because you'll get so involved in your studies, so involved in, you know, trying to pass your class and so involved in all of these other things, good things, but things nevertheless, you'll get so involved that you'll be distracted from what is most important and that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. So that could be another reason for them having left their first love. It might be a, it might be a misunderstanding. You, know, you you can't always label something and you know identify a reason for what people do because things are not always as they seem. A lot of problems are caused by misunderstanding people. I don't have time to talk about some examples in my personal life, but I can think back to misunderstandings that I've had with, with others. It wasn't their fault. There wasn't anything wrong whatsoever. It was either I misjudged them or they misjudged me, but there was a misunderstanding and, and it created friction between us so much so that we could both be walking down the same aisle and we'd make it a point not to look at each other or shake hands. Nobody had done anything wrong, but, but we misunderstood one another. And sometimes that misunderstanding thing can even have to do with us misunderstanding God. Don't you dare think you are such a spiritual giant that this couldn't ever happen to you. I think about Job, and here was a man who was the best man in all of the land, a man who who could was commended by the Lord, a man who really seemed to have everything, you know, together, and all of a sudden God just knocked the props out from under him and basically took everything he had. I wonder how you would deal with that. 
And I've got to tell you, I'm not so sure how I would deal with it. I, I'd like to think that I'd pass in flying colors, but I know that sometimes it's possible for us to misunderstand God and it puts a coldness, a dampness on our relationship with the Lord. Then another reason might be just flat out sin itself. Isaiah said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. If you think God will hear you every time you cry, you're mistaken. There's nothing in the world that will hinder your prayers any quicker than entertaining known sin in your heart. And that's what he's saying here, that your iniquities will separate between you and God. There will be a break in the fellowship between you and God. And so all of these things are possibilities. But whatever the reason, we need to think about how it is that we can renew our love for the Lord. And after the rebuke, I want you to notice that he reveals the remedy. After the commendation, there is the condemnation. And after the condemnation, then there is the counsel that he gives. Three things. Notice verse number five. He says, remember. Remember, oh, how prone we are to forget. We forget about our blessings. We forget about our privileges. We forget about our responsibilities. And he's saying to them, I want you to remember. Stop what you're doing. Remember, think about the way that it used to be. It does all of us good, I think, as Christians for us to stop and to think about the bliss of our love for Christ at the very beginning. Wow, you talk about excited, how, how thrilling it was. That the, It's just indescribable. And you think about the peace that flooded your soul. You think about the joy that filled your heart. You think about the fact that all of a sudden God just infused hope within you and now you're encouraged as a result of that. There's the thrill of knowing that you've been unshackled from the bonds of sin. You've been set free. There's nothing more exciting in all of the world than being a new Christian and suddenly discovering who you are and what you have as a result of Christ. And yet there's always that possibility of life growing stale and our joy beginning to wane and our peace flees. And that's when we need to remember. Find a quiet place. Get alone where you can't be distracted. And just spend some time thinking, remembering all of the good things, the wonderful things that God has done in your life. I think that's why he starts with that. He says, remember, but he doesn't stop there. Notice he says in verse number five, not only remember, but he says, repent. And that tells me this is not a minor matter. You see, it is a sin for us to allow our relationship with God to deteriorate. That's sinful. 
It happens in our marriages. We know it does. I mean, I don't know who you think you're kidding if you think that it's never happened to you or if you think it never will, but it does happen. Because let me tell you right now, every day is not going to be like your honeymoon the rest of your life. It's just not. You can go on thinking it's going to be that way if you want to, but I'm telling you, it's not. Because we're only human. We have faults and we fail. Now, the commitment is there. We love one another. You know, as a husband and wife, you might, you know, stick together through thick and thin. But if we're not careful, we get so busy with other things. The wife is so busy taking care of the kids. The man is working as the breadwinner or whatever it might be. But suddenly, we're not as expressive of our affections as we once were. And, and that's what's going on here. And he says, I want you to, I want you to repent. I want you to change this situation. That word repent means to turn around. It means, you know, we change our mind and the change of mind changes our action. And, and then look what he does in verse number five again. He gives this warning. He said, I want you to remember and I want you to repent. But here's the warning. Do the first works or else. That sounds kind of scary coming from the Lord. Amen. Do the first works or else. How many of you parents have told your kid you stop that or else? They know you don't need to finish it. They know what you're talking about. And so the Lord says, do thy first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Do you have any idea of what's going on here in that statement? And we look at this church that he commended, a church that is exact in their doctrine. They believe all of the right things. They are energetic in their work. They're doing the right things. They're laboring all of these good qualities about them. And yet he says, if you don't fix this problem, I'm going to remove thy candlestick out of his place. And in other words, God is, it's like God saying, I'm moving out. The light of my witness is going to move out. We think about that word Ichabod, which means the glory is gone, removed. You see, the thing that made the temple and the tabernacle different from any other structure in all of the world is not the kind of material that was used. It's not the dimensions of the structure. It's none of those things. The thing that made it different than anything else was the indwelling Shekinah glory of God Himself. And when the Bible, and by the way, Paul in Ephesians in his letter to the same church talked about this, that the church... It's God's house. It's God's building. And here is a threat. God saying that if you don't fix this problem, I'm leaving here. I'm moving out. And then what do you have? You have nothing more than a glorified social club. The name is the same. We sing the same songs, preach the same sermons, glad hand each other and have a have a hallelujah hold down and a shouting good time and all of that. But if God's not here, it's nothing more than a social club. That's why he says you better repent or else. But then notice there's something else here in verse 5. The third thing. We have to remember we need to repent. 
But then we need to return. He says, do the first works. It's easy to talk about needing to repent. And it's talking, you know, and easy to talk about, you know, that I'm going to repent. But real repentance always results in a change in some way. And notice, he, he's saying to them, I want you to get back to the first works. Now, it would have been one thing if they turned away from those things that distracted them. You know, one of the members could have said, you know, I've become too busy with my business. It's just distracted me from my fellowship with the Lord. I've got so tied up in dollars and cents and trying to run a business that all of a sudden, you know, I find myself and, you know, that I'm not living in fellowship with the Lord and I'm going to cut back my hours. I'm going to take care of that. It's one thing to get away from what's distracting you. It's another thing to get back to what's most important in your life. And keep in mind, these people were working. These people were laboring. So when he says, do the first works, what in the world is he talking about? They are working. They'd never stopped working, but evidently, their motivation had changed. The first work was what? The first work had to do with their fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of like the Lord saying, you need to get back to the basics. And believe it or not, it's possible for us to get so wrapped up in all of the trappings of religion, so wrapped up in the music program and the Iwana program and the Sunday school program, and so wrapped up in doing all of this stuff that after a while... There's a breach in our fellowship with the Lord and we get cold and indifferent. And when that happens, it affects our relationship with each other. There's so many times, you know, we like to shift the blame. Well, you know, I know I ought to love that person more than I do. I ought to be more kind toward them than what I am. But here we go with all of the excuses about their faults and their failures, and we try to justify our failure by using those in the other person's life. And that's not acceptable to God. You see, the problem's not with the other person. The problem has to do with our relationship with God, because when it's what it ought to be, we'll love one another unconditionally. You know, when you stop and think about it, sometimes to the natural mind, it almost seems unreasonable that God would expect us to love everybody. I'm telling you, there's some mean rascals in this world today. There are people that don't care anything about you. There are people that would slit your throat for a $10 bill. There are people absolutely will use you and abuse you. And yet the Lord says, I expect you to love them. And, and at first that seems so unreasonable for that woman, you know, to be, I'll use the word, forced to live with this man that's a jerk. Or for the man to forgive his wife for having been unfaithful or, or for whatever the problem is. It's just not reasonable, right? We think that. But when you stop and think about it, God never asks too much from us. Think about it. 
when we owe Him everything, then it's never unreasonable for Him to command us to do anything. Regardless of what it is. Because without Him, we would absolutely be nothing and have nothing. Could it really be possible that uh, you, you never just quit loving God, but you did the same thing these folks did? You left your first love. If somebody asked you if you love the Lord, you'd say, absolutely, I love the Lord, but, but you've left your first love. You've let something come between you and Him. Remember the old song, Nothing Between My Soul and the Savior. And that's the way it ought to be because too many times we let something come between us and God and it affects every relationship we have. And it'll destroy a church or a family quicker than anything in all of the world because... Love will keep us together when everything else fails. And that love depends on our relationship with the Lord. Maybe you need to spend some time this morning remembering. Maybe you need to repent this morning. Maybe you need to return to get back to where you used to be. Get back to the basics and doing those things that really matter most. And I'll guarantee you, you'll never regret it. I realize this message by design has been for Christian people. The letter was addressing a church, talking to to Christian people, so I don't apologize for that. But if you're here this morning, you've never received Christ as your Savior. Let me remind you of how, how greatly loved you are to think that God would love you when there's absolutely no reason for it on your part, simply because of who He is. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to love Him or I'm going to love her anyway. And you can't stop Him. And He proved His love with the giving of His Son on the cross at Calvary. Do, do you know Him as your Lord and Savior this morning? If not... Would you trust Him right here, right now, today? Let's all stand together, those awaiting baptism. If you would, please be dismissed to the dressing room. If you're here today and God's speaking to your heart, we encourage you to come. You don't have to say anything to me or to Brother Kenneth. We'll help you if we can. But maybe today you just want to get in a quiet place and just on your knees before God say, Lord, you know what this is all about. Lord, you know that I love you, but you know that I have left my first love. I've allowed my relationship with you to limp along instead of growing. Let's sing together.